I'm Ross Werler with Werler Brothers Farm in Rosenberg, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've got some new technology coming for the cotton industry soon. In fact, it's a brand new weed herbicide and a quad-stacked herbicide-resistant cotton variety. It's all coming up here over the next couple of years, and we'll have more on it coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As we wind down one of the worst seasons ever for Texas High Plains cotton, what's the early outlook for next season? I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The State Fair of Texas in Dallas runs through October 23rd, where people from urban and rural areas and people of all ages can learn more about agriculture at various venues at the fair. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Coastal Bend hay producers have been very busy for the past few weeks. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Fibermax Cotton celebrated 25 years in the U.S. last week at a celebration in Lubbock. Fibermax has been owned by a few companies over that quarter century, but it's currently under the BASF umbrella. Kenny Melton is the Western Region Agronomic Services Manager for BASF and Lubbock, and he says the company is looking forward to a bright future with FiberMax as new technology will be rolled out over the next couple of years. We've got some new technology coming. It'll be the first quad-stacked herbicide package. It's pending registration, of course. You know, we're working on that and all the hurdles that come along with that, but it's going to allow growers a brand new class of chemistry to be used in weed control in cotton. It's never been used before in cotton, and it's uh, along the lines of a pre-emerge herbicide, which it, it has great tolerance. The best way to control a big weed is never let it come up. And so that's what we're going to be shooting for. It'll still have the uh, tolerance to glyphosate, to Liberty, as well as dicamba in addition to this. The battle against herbicide-resistant weeds will never go away, so developing new technologies like their Accent Flex to fight weeds is a very important task. We're always going to be battling this weed resistance issue. And if we can come out with a new class of chemistry to be using in that battle, it's really going to help take the pressure off of some of these post-emerge applications that we're making and really help us to control weeds and have good quality cotton and be able to do it sustainably. We're really happy about it. We're really looking forward to it. Melton says they hope to get the new herbicide approved next year, then launch the new quad-stacked seed in 2024. 
The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is urging the Biden administration to press pause on a new Waters of the U.S. rule. NCBA Executive Director for Natural Resources Caitlin Glover says they've asked the EPA to wait until the Supreme Court makes its ruling on the Sackett versus EPA case to avoid two rulemakings. We've urged the EPA and the Army Corps to pause their rulemaking. It has been such a significant whiplash for cattle producers, for private landowners, and even for the agency itself. A, a rule change on average every about three and a half years over, over the last several years because of the way this definition has changed. For the EPA to proceed with their rulemaking to sort of have a race to the finish line with the Supreme Court is not a responsible regulatory perspective at this stage. The EPA rule is currently under review by the White House Office of Management and Budget. Glover says the conservation work that cattle producers do on a daily basis should not result in additional regulations for them. She says maintaining those strong ag exemptions like stock ponds and farm ditches is critical to any final rule. This has been one of the worst cotton seasons ever for many farmers in the Texas High Plains. So what does next year hold? James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. For cotton farmers in the Texas High Plains, as we've discussed repeatedly, it's been an awful year out in the fields. But they're also taking a big hit on prices, which are down by about 40 cents a pound from where they were back at planting time. Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers says... Things are pretty tough for cotton on the economic side right now. We know that there are many factors that are impacting the market right now that are out of our control. Things such as the war in the Ukraine, inflation, interest rates. And we know that next year our input prices are most likely going to continue to remain high. High fertilizer prices, high herbicide and seed input costs, and high fuel prices. Brown making reference to next year, as many producers are already thinking ahead as to how they will divide up their acres next season. Right now, grain crops could be looking more favorable. However, in our area, at least in the southern high plains, cotton still is the most adapted crop to grow. And so we know that there will be some buffering effect to that in that a lot of acres will continue to see cotton production. It's just a matter of how many acres and what those input prices are that impact that. And then also up in the northern panhandle, we'll need to continue to watch our grain crop prices and, and you know, look at that comparison between the corn price and the cotton price. And, of course, corn impacts sorghum prices. And so all of that will have to be watched in the coming months. Yes, there's still a good amount of time between now and spring planting, but those in the cotton business are certainly hoping the roller coaster ride for prices heads back up real soon. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The State Fair of Texas is underway in Dallas. Tom Nicoletti says it's a great opportunity to educate the public on the importance of agriculture. There are a wide variety of opportunities at the State Fair of Texas for people to learn more about agriculture. While at Fair Park in Dallas, Urban and rural visitors can stop by the Doorways to Agriculture exhibit, sponsored by the Texas Farm Bureau. There, people learn more about where their food and fiber come from and how farmers and ranchers grow crops and raise livestock. Fun farm facts also illustrate how agriculture plays a role in everyone's daily lives. For another agricultural experience at the State Fair, stop by the Texas Beef Council booth, the Beef-Loving Texans exhibit, in the Go Texan Pavilion. Adriana Mora is the Beef Council's Consumer Marketing Manager. 
besides urban and rural uh, visitors at the state fair uh, going through the Beef Council's booth. You also interact with beef producers at the event. Talk about that. We hope seeing the booth in person makes producers proud of the beef-loving Texans brand. And if a producer is at the state fair, of course, we hope they come by to say hi and experience the booth for themselves because they're the ones that are making this great program possible. Why is it so important for the Beef Council to have a booth there at the State Fair of Texas? This gives us an opportunity to connect with more than 70,000 consumers, and we're able to educate those coming through the booth and teach them more about beef from a nutrition standpoint, from a production standpoint, and answer their questions in person so that they know that producers care. Those cattle producers care about their animals and food safety while investing their beef checkoff dollars into the promotion of beef to consumers. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Coastal Bend hay producers have been very busy over the past few weeks. Harvey Buring has an update from Corpus Christi. Well, hay harvest has been the primary field activity around the Coastal Bend during the past few weeks, and many of the custom hay harvest operators uh, have had little or no work uh, this spring and summer due to the extreme drought conditions, but now they're having to do double time. And thanks to those generous rains that blanketed the Coastal Bend area back in August, hay pastures have been able to rebound and produce some bountiful harvest. But it is only the first harvest of the year for many hay producers, and that means that hay supplies are likely to be tight again, particularly if we experience another drier than normal winter and spring. And some meteorologists are predicting that for our state. So producers are trying to stock up and make the most of the hay that is available in our area. And of course, the other activity that continues here in the Coastal Bend is over at the Corpus Christi Cotton Classing Office. They continue to get bale samples from around 40 of the 48 gins here in the southeastern Texas Territory. And as of September 30th, this season, they had classified some 868,000 bale samples. South Texas crop will be shorter and smaller than usual, but at least they have had a significant amount of production come through the office and still have some hopes of possibly classifying as many as a million bales. Of course, the Texas crop going to be one of the smallest in recent history, with uh, only 2.5 million acres projected in the state to be harvested from that 7.9 million acres that was planted. And more rain is needed here in South Texas, as well as most of the state, to get our soil moisture back in shape for spring planting. Reporting from the Coastal Bend area, this has been Harvey Buring. Hunters in four North Texas counties will see a regulation change for whitetail deer hunting season this fall. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And highly pathogenic avian influenza has been found again in Texas. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas A&M Forest Service is helping to protect lives, property, and livelihoods from wildfire. Dangerous wildfire weather conditions in the state can look like just any other day. Hot, dry, and windy. 
but a specific mix of weather factors can be conducive to a devastating wildfire outbreak. Learn what to look for. Listen to officials. Evacuate early. Your actions could help save your life, property, and livelihood. For more information on wildfire weather warnings, visit TICC.TAMU.EDU. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Highly pathogenic avian influenza has been found again here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd tells how the situation is being handled. The Texas Animal Health Commission and the United States Department of Agriculture confirmed by a press release on September 26th the presence of the virus in a non-commercial mixed species backyard flock. Highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, was confirmed at the Texas Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab and at the National Lab in Ames, Iowa. The backyard flock was designated as non-poultry because the birds are from a single household that does not have direct or indirect contact with poultry or poultry facilities. State officials quarantine the facilities and the birds on the property will be depopulated to prevent spread of the disease. The plan to control the disease centers around quarantine, testing, disposal, cleaning, disinfection, and monitoring. According to the Centers for Disease Control, or the CDC, the public health risk associated with these avian influenza infections is low. It is recommended to cook all poultry and eggs to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit to make sure there is no disease transmission of any kind. Federal and state animal health authorities are working on additional surveillance in areas around the infected flock. Dr. Andy Schwartz from the Texas Animal Health Commission indicates the United States has the strongest avian influenza detection program in the world and commercial poultry operations, live bird markets, and wild bird populations are constantly being monitored. Texas has only had the disease in two domestic flocks, but 46 million birds in 40 states have been affected by the virus. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunters in four North Texas counties will see a regulation change for whitetail deer season this fall. Jessica Domo has the details in today's wildlife report. Hunters in more than 250 Texas counties can now try to bag a white-tailed deer this month using archery equipment. The archery-only season opened October 1st. Alan Kane, white-tailed deer program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says hunters in North Texas should be aware of a regulation change that was approved earlier this year by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. In four counties in North Texas, so that's Collin, Rockwall, Grayson, and Dallas County, we implemented mandatory harvest reporting in those counties. Now, those are archery-only counties through all seasons, whether it's archery or general season or a late season there, but those are all archery-only counties, and we did implement mandatory harvest reporting for all seasons up there for bucks and does, and that's just going to help the department get a handle on impacts of that archery harvest on that population up there. That area is experiencing a lot of development and growth and so you're seeing a lot of habitat loss and so they'll give us an idea of you know how the population's responding to that but also the harvest and seeing if harvest is able to help reduce or maintain that population as habitat becomes less and less. Again, that change impacts hunters in Dallas, Rockwall, Grayson, and Collin counties. Hunters there can report their take on the My Texas Hunt Harvest app. The archery-only white-tailed deer hunting season remains open through November 4th. The general season in the north and the south zones opens November 5th. 
Hunters are encouraged to check out this year's Outdoor Annual at OutdoorAnnual.com or on the Outdoor Annual app for all of this year's hunting regulations. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Wednesday, but we closed mostly higher. Meanwhile, the bottom dropped out of the cotton market. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Wednesday. On the close, we ended up mostly higher, actually higher on all except one contract. That was on the December live cattle contract. But first, the nearby October was up 37, 146.17. That December down 12, 148.45. Everything else higher with February up 25 cents, 152.12. Feeder cattle finishing higher across the board. October feeders up 42 cents, 175.50. November feeders up 47, 176.67. January feeders up 17 cents, 176.90. Cash-fed cattle trade still mostly quiet for the week. We did see a report of a few hundred cattle selling way up in Iowa. They sold at 146 on a live basis, but again, that's just a few hundred head, not enough for a market test. Looks like here in the south, we're still seeing asking prices from the feedlots at 146 to 147 this week, but no sales confirmed yet. Box beef prices higher on Wednesday. Choice up $1.17 at 247 Select up $1.46 at $214.31. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. Let's start with Riley Rhodes from Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers. He sells them every Monday. Riley, how was that Monday sale? Cow calf pairs, uh, still getting some activity on some stocker cows. Uh, pairs brought 1050 up to 1625. Red cow, seven and a quarter up to 1250. Uh, packer cow, like I said, pretty much steady money, 72 to 78 on your high yielding cow, 68 to 74 on your breakers, 28 to 54 on your canners. Uh, bulls, kind of same story, 90 to 96 on your high yielding bulls, 70 to 90 on your low to medium yielding bulls. Two to three weight choice steers, 168 to 196. Heifer mates, 150 to 164. Uh, three to four weight choice steers, 166 to 188. Heifer mates, 146 to 160. Four to five weight choice steers, 158 to 178. Heifer mates, 140 to 158. Five to six weight choice steers, 150 to 172. The heifer mates, 136 to 152. Six to seven weight choice steers, 138 to 156. Heifer mates, 132 to 148. And the seven to eight weight cattle year choice steers, 132 to 146. And the heifer mates, 126 to 140. So uh, pretty pleased with it today. You know, the quality was good. Uh, you know, mostly overall had some good sets of calves and that helped. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was a, a little cheaper, but uh, I, I was kind of expecting it to be uh, cheaper than what it was. So I was pleased with the, what, what we did today. Do you know anything for next week? Um, yeah, and, and I don't think we ended up with uh, just a little under 1,600 today, 1,596 head. Uh, and I do, uh, I know of uh, a pretty good set of Beefmaster calves coming. I got a couple loads of Charlotte calves coming next week, uh, a couple more little small sets of cows. So uh, 
probably in that 12 to 1500 range for next week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you at Live Oak. 361-786-2553 is office. Uh, cell phone's 361-813-6650. Uh, web's liveoaklivestock.com. We appreciate it. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher. October hogs up seven cents, ninety-three ten. December hogs up a dollar fifteen at eighty seventy. Class three milk finishing higher. October milk up a nickel, twenty-one eighty-four a hundred weight, while November milk was up eighteen cents, twenty-one thirty-one a hundred. USDA released its latest supply and demand report on Wednesday morning. It was very negative for the cotton market. Traders expecting to see a big cut in U.S. cotton production. That didn't happen. USDA cut it by 200,000 bales, but they were expecting much more. Also, ending stocks here in the U.S. upped by 100,000 bales to 2.8 million. World carryout jumping 3 million bales up to 87.87 million. All that putting big pressure on the cotton trade on Wednesday. In fact, we were limit down after the report. We backed off that just a bit on the close. December cotton down 394 points at 84.92. March cotton down 384 to close at 83.47. The report didn't affect the corn market much. December corn was unchanged. 6.93 a bushel. March corn down a quarter penny at $7 even. The wheat market took a double-digit drop once again on Wednesday. About the only reason we can find for that is good rain forecast for Texas. December Kansas City wheat dropping 20 and 3 quarters at 970. December Chicago wheat down 18 and 3 quarters, 882 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 16 cents at 643. November crude oil down 217, 87, 18 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up 84 points at 29,323. The Nasdaq up 25, 10,491. The S&P up 2 at 3,590. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.